What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's, and welcome back to our bonus series covering all things Loki on Disney+. Plus. It's been quite a journey and a fun six-episode run, but it's time to close things out. I'm your host today, Matt Johnson, a.k.a. someone you shouldn't piss off because you may cause my legion of evil variants to come wage war on you. I'm Keith Baker, a.k.a. Michael Douglas in the background. And I'm Austin Terry, a.k.a. an infinite all-knowing being who still uses paper and pen to take notes. That's right. If this is your first episode of The Arnie's, welcome. We're super happy to have you. Our main episodes come out every Tuesday. Earlier this week, we talked about the newest addition to the MCU. Austin, how is Black Widow, and are there any things the audience needs to be looking out for in that recording? Yeah, Black Widow was fun. Um, I think we all had some issues with the time that Marvel chose to release the movie and and when it was set, Um, but we all loved some of the new characters we got. All the performances were great, and it was, of course, just wonderful to see Scarlett Johansson back as Natasha Romanoff. Hell yeah. As for this coming Tuesday, it's time to head back to our retrospective and review series. This is when we break down a full franchise and rank each entry. We've done Star Wars, Bond, the MCU Phase 1, and now it's time to officially add John Wick to the list. Keith, we've done a lot of these lookbacks. What are you most excited about when getting into John Wick once again? Well, yeah, I'm just excited about breaking it down with you guys and rewatching them. I think I, I think it's probably the series I've seen the least out of the series we've done so far. I know I don't know how many times you guys have seen John Wick, but I think I've only seen them once each, and I think I watched them all three in a row. So it's kind of like I watched one six-hour movie. I really couldn't distinguish each one from uh, each other. So yeah, I'm really excited to just to rewatch them and break them down and watch some good old. Keanu Reeves murders. <laughs> That's what I'm the most excited for, is to get some good Keanu content uh, in the podcast. We need more of it. And that's a good point, Keith. I think that will make this look back pretty interesting, because I've seen the first John Wick probably three or four times, but two and three only once a piece. So it's going to be interesting, I think, when it comes to ranking more so than ever, because they are just kind of action movies at their core. So we'll see what happens. Uh, be sure to keep an eye out for when that episode drops. We have some great content out now and some more exciting stuff on the way. Please subscribe to The Arnie's wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Leave us some reviews with your thoughts. And also, we do want to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at The Arnie's or email us, thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Let us know how you're feeling about everything we're putting out. But now, without further ado, there's just too much to talk about. we got to get right into it. Let's break down this main topic. Loki just wrapped up its run with a bang. Maybe, maybe you disagree. I guess we'll get into it. Super interesting and not what I expected, which I guess is kind of just how I felt about the show in general. They always manage to constantly surprise and move things forward in ways I didn't expect. When it comes to Disney Plus with WandaVision, we all seem to really enjoy it until the finale fell a bit flat. And then you had something like Falcon and Winter Soldier, which definitely had a stronger finale. But I think the middle of the series was a little bit weaker, kind of got lost with all the characters they were introducing. So the big question is... Now that we're at our third outing with Loki, how is this one going to kind of fit into that mold? The MCU at large, I think, has always had issues with third acts and endings. And would Loki be any different? The show as a whole was very strong, but did they close out as strong? Did we feel satisfied with all the answers to the questions raised about Loki, the variants, the TVA, and the timeline in general? Well, those are just a few of the big questions we're going to talk about. But before we get too deep, and I know it's going to be tough so we can keep it quick, Just guys, remind everybody of your thoughts on the show so far, and then let's give some non-spoiler thoughts on this finale. Yeah, I've really enjoyed Loki uh, so far. I think it had a great first two episodes. It definitely, I thought, lost some momentum in the third episode. The fourth episode I thought was the best of the show, even including the finale now. 
And then I, of course, wasn't here last week. Um, I didn't love episode five as much as I know you guys did. And just getting into my thoughts on episode six, I like everything we learned in this episode, but I don't necessarily know if I like the way it was presented to us. I think it was a very weird finale. It kind of felt anticlimactic, and it felt like they were definitely trying to set a bunch of things in motion for the rest of the MCU, as opposed to kind of wrapping up our stories in the Loki show. So I didn't love it. I think this is another Disney Plus show that they didn't stick the landing on the finale, but I did enjoy, I guess, the majority of the show just as a whole. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Austin. Uh, from the get-go, I've loved Loki. It's been super high up there for me, and I thought it was pretty much building momentum throughout. <sighs> Coming to this episode, I don't know if this is really uh, giving any spoilers away here. I'll just say, I was like, oh, shit. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> and I didn't like it. I didn't like any of it. Oh, wow. I don't know. None, none of it really worked for me at all. And... Maybe you, maybe you guys can change my mind throughout. That's what I'm hoping. I'm, I'm trying to be positive, and hopefully, hopefully you guys can change my mind. You know, as we discuss it. But right now, I am super confused in this last episode. I had no idea what was going on. The answers they were giving us, I feel like maybe something I should have picked up on, but I just wasn't picking up on any of it. That's where I'm at right now. What about you, Matthew? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, just to that, I definitely don't know if I can change your mind, but I think I can certainly help explain things, maybe make things a bit clear. I guess we'll get into your uh, spoiler thoughts in a sec. As for me, I'm kind of, I'm surprised, not in a bad way. Uh, I always like when we disagree, but I love this episode. It's definitely not my favorite. I think I'm probably with Austin. I think uh, four was probably my favorite. And then I know Keith and I were both really high on episode five, so that one was up there for me. Uh, it's not as good as that, but I still really enjoyed it. I actually liked the answers we were given. I do hear and understand completely Austin's point, which is while some of these answers are cool and interesting, is it cool and interesting in the context of the story Loki as a show is trying to tell? Or is it like the classic Iron Man 2 complaint, which is this is just setting up other stuff? So I, t I, I definitely understand that, but I think they did enough along the way for me in this episode to I could find little bits and pieces to connect back to like, oh, yeah, that was a big thing with Loki in general, like the whole concept of time, timelines, all that good stuff and the variants, too. I felt like I was pretty satisfied with the conclusions of that. So I don't want to say too much more. I think anybody that has watched this episode knows this is going to be a really tough one not to spoil. So we've got to be a little bit surface level. Can I jump in with one other thought, Matt? Yeah. I think just by the time the credits rolled. To me, this episode did not feel like a finale of a show. It felt like an episode two that you kind of come in, you set up what we're going to be doing for the whole season, and then like this is our map of, of, of what the stakes are, I guess, for the show. Because they established some pretty serious stakes in this episode, but now the show's over, and it's like, okay, I guess we'll find out more about this stuff in the future of the MCU. But to me, I was just kind of like, really? Like That was the finale by the time the credits rolled? I liked yeah. everything. I liked all the performances but it just didn't feel like a really great finale to a show that we've all loved up until this point. I think there's a reason for that, um, which we can't really get into without spoiling it. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying. I, without spoiling it, just like as a final kind of entice to people if you haven't watched it yet, I think there is kind of something special we found out about this show in particular that makes it different from WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier that might explain that issue, but maybe not. But again, 
Let's just get right into it. Um, everybody, that covers our non-spoiler thoughts, so it sounds like we have some mixed opinions, so that'll be exciting to get into. If you haven't watched the first season of Loki yet, including the finale, this is your chance to bounce on out and go watch it. Once you've done so, come on back to our episode and listen to the rest, because now is your official and final spoiler warning. We're about to break everything down. We're going to try and explain things the way we understood them, how they were happening. We're not going to hold back. It's time to get into it. serious guys we played the music get out of here if you haven't watched this kang the conqueror is here is he or he will be <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll get into that i just watch keep the eyes Majors go is here. <laughs> yeah there you go um all right <laughs> let's get into it austin let's break down for the final time with loki i guess until season two that we know about no spoiler warning again uh give me the full cast and crew of season one episode six this one is called for all time always Okay, so Loki the show, of course, is created by Michael Waldron, and as always, this episode was directed by Kate Heron. Our writers this week were Michael Waldron and Eric Martin, and our wonderful score, of course, is composed by Natalie Holt. And for our cast this week, we have, of course, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Sophia DeMartino as Sylvie, Owen Wilson as Mobius, and this week they were joined by Gugu Mbatha-Ra as Ravona Renslayer, Wunmi Masaku as Hunter B-15, Tara Strong as Miss Minutes, and finally, Jonathan Majors as He Who Remains, and in the future, we think his evil variant will be Kang the Conqueror. So guys, any highlights, positive or negative, for the finale of Loki? Keith, you go first, because I think I know what your negative will be, and I want you to (laughs) say it, because I think you're going to be in the minority, but I want to hear it from your mouth. I don't know if it's a negative, it's just maybe... It's more maybe his character more than the performance. I think the performance is fine, and I'm going to say Jonathan Majors. And I wouldn't say a negative or a positive. I just, I just didn't get the character. Uh, it was just so under... And we're going, to get, we're going to get into this more later, but it was just so underwhelming for me. And they, you know, they finally get to the Citadel. They went through all this shit in the last five episodes, and they finally get to this big reveal. Like, who's it going to be? Be some like big, evil, dark, whatever. And it's just this, this goofy guy sitting at a desk. I'm like, what? <laughs> guy, and he's just talking rubbish the entire time. And I say rubbish, I mean, shit, I just don't understand that maybe you guys can explain to me later. And I just, yeah, I just wasn't getting it. So I'm not going to say positive or negative. I'm just really confused with his character. But Jonathan Majors, I'm sure, is a great actor, and I think he probably played him well. So uh, and as far as any highlights, I'll go again with Tom Elliston and uh, Sophia DeMartino, good as always as the Loki and Sylvie. Uh, characters, and then Owen Wilson as Mobius as well. Yeah, I think I'm going to give both my positive and my negative highlight to Jonathan Majors. <laughs> um, my positive being that I love the performance that he gave this week. I thought he was really funny, charming, and then also had this like really evil presence like underneath everything he was saying. But then at the same time, I didn't love that first half of this episode is essentially just watching Loki, Sylvie, and Jonathan Majors sit in a conference room and talk. Like, everything we learned from them, and we're going to get into it more, was interesting, but the way it was presented, I didn't find super compelling for an hour-long episode of a show. Um, And then the other thing I'll call out is Tom Hiddleston and and Sophie DiMartino have been great every single week. This week, though, something seemed off with the way they interacted with Jonathan Majors. It almost seemed like they, like, weren't on set with him together. Like, just, I don't know. A lot of their acting seemed a little forced, I thought, this week. There also wasn't a lot of it. A lot of it really was just them 
kind of sitting and reacting. So there was honestly a couple moments where they started talking where I was like, oh yeah, I forgot what they sounded like. So I get that. I, I definitely will get into that. I definitely agree. Well, I did love this episode. I think the presentation just of having them sit around a table was pretty bad. I mean, you could have done anything else. I, it kind of weirdly reminded me of, I don't know if you guys remember Guardians of the Galaxy 2, whenever Kurt Russell as Ego is like walking the Guardians through this grand palace and you know, it cuts to like these like grand murals on the walls that kind of morph and show the story of him and kind of the whole evil plot. And I was like, oh, that was a really cool way visually to show that. Whereas here, it's like literally just like Austin said, for a lot of that, this episode is just sitting and talking. And even when we cut back to Mobius, it's sitting and talking with Ravona. That is a really good point. Yeah. Um, just to before we get too deep. Yeah, I'm. For me, the positive, I'll go full positive. I love Jonathan Majors. I thought he was great. I loved how weird it was. Um, I liked the charisma. I liked the energy. I like that you could tell that this guy has been doing this job for eons and is slowly losing his mind, which he basically cops to. He's like, I can't do this anymore, which is why he's fine with being killed, essentially. Um, so I thought it was really cool. Um, other than that, that, that's honestly probably it. I thought... Each character did have a great moment, which was cool. I thought Tom Hiddleston had some good emotional moments. Same with Sylvie. But I'm going to actually shout out someone I'm not sure if we have along the way. She's not in this episode a whole lot, but Wumi Misaku is Hunter B-15. This was a character I really thought was only going to be like in the first episode, but she's had a really great presence throughout this season, I feel like. And I loved I love that quick little scene. Like the Actually, to your point, Austin, the one scene that kind of felt very active and frenetic was whenever... They go like they just randomly cut to Ohio and it's her kind of taking charge and basically letting everybody know that they're variants at the TVA by showing off the real Ravona. I thought was super cool and a really great moment. And it was just a good little showcase for her. And I love that she's had all these like good little scenes throughout the entire season. See, and I kind of wanted more of that. I kind of wanted more of Hunter P-15 and Mobius working to kind of take over the TVA. I thought that would have been a good yeah. kind of cap off for both of their stories. I think you're 100% right. I think that would have been a nicer balance if they could have had a few more cutbacks for sure. Um, okay, so Matt, that's our cast and crew talk, but do you want to run down a quick little plot summary for the finale of Loki? Yeah, so just keeping it short, in the Citadel at the end of time, Loki and Sylvie meet Miss Minutes once again and reject an offer from her creator named He Who Remains to return them to the timeline with everything they desire. Meanwhile, Mobius confronts Ravona Renslayer while the latter leaves on a mission to find free will. He Who Remains reveals to Loki and Sylvie that he created the TVA after ending a multiversal war caused by his own variants. As the timeline begins to branch, he offers them a choice to kill him and end the singular timeline, risking another multiversal war but providing free will across the timelines in the process, or to replace him as his successor in overseeing the singular sacred timeline. Sylvie, of course, decides to kill him while Loki attempts to stop her. They end up kissing, but Sylvie sends Loki back to the TVA and kills He Who Remains, unleashing a multiverse of madness, you might say, with timelines that cannot be pruned at this point. At the TVA, Loki warns Hunter B-15 and Mobius that He Who Remains' variants are coming to wage war, but to Loki's surprise, Mobius does not recognize him at all. In a Planet of the Apes-style twist, Loki gazes from the balcony and sees the statue of someone that should have been the Timekeepers, but actually looks like he who remains in their place. And before we get into the roundtable this week, Matt, we're recording this episode on your birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. Thanks, guys. Yes. Thank you, thank you. I wish we had our own timelines to go to so we could celebrate multiple birthdays of you. 
Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I gotta say, I mean, this was a pretty good birthday present for me. I enjoyed this episode, like we said, but let's just get into it. Let's get to our roundtable discussion. I'll start us off on the positive. So, kind of like I said at the top, and I think I've said this every week, but this episode was not what I expected at all. It was definitely a bit of an information dump and a lot of exposition, a lot of sitting and talking, like we said. But I think, for the most part, they still found a way to make it interesting and leave our characters in really intriguing places. So, let's just cut to the chase. The last episode left us right outside this citadel. This one takes us inside, introduces us to the leader of the TVA, presents all these crazy multiverse and war-type stakes, separates our characters, and leaves the state of the MCU in a broken multiverse with Kang the Conqueror and the multiverse war on the horizon. What worked and what didn't? Let's break it down a little bit more. Spoilers ahead. So what really works for me this week is excitement for the future of the MCU. Like, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with the multiverse war. I can't wait to see what the evil version of Kang the Conqueror is going to be like. But kind of like what we touched on, the thing, the main thing that did not work for me is just the way all this information that was conveyed was just super underwhelming and really boring just having our two characters sit and talk like it was a ton of exposition we didn't see anything super interesting and i loved everything they set up but ultimately i felt like there was there's a better way to use this hour for a finale and i just felt like the way they capped things off was not very interesting i'm in full agreement with you austin like i said earlier this yeah i don't think it needed to be a full-on 30 minute ordeal at the desk talking to this guy. I think, like you said earlier, we probably could have had a little bit more balance with uh, with Mobius and B-15, maybe trying to switch the, the variants over to show them their true colors and all that with the TVA. I'm in that weird place where I definitely agree with what you guys are saying, but I guess it just worked for me. I'm not even really sure why. I just... I guess I just found everything that they were talking about around that kind of boring desk setting super interesting and compelling and the way it kind of worked as a cap off to, well, who created the TVA and why? And like, was there a multiverse war? And finding out that the multiverse war was really just a bunch of Kangs after they discovered that there is a multiverse fighting because some of them are benevolent and some of them want to rule. And then this one that we saw in this episode just happened to come out on top and has been basically keeping them at bay and then kind of staying in the Citadel watching over the sacred timeline. But if you kill me, then all those other ones are going to come after you and who knows what the hell is going to happen. So it was it was a lot, I agree. It was a lot at once. Um, I get why they waited for the finale because you can put in a big actor like Jonathan Majors playing a version of a very famous character. I think for the sake of the show overall, if this had happened maybe an episode earlier somehow or there was just like another episode left, then maybe it would have felt a bit more balanced and we could have cut back to the TVA more to see what Mobius and B-15 were doing. Um because ultimately, we've talked about it along the way, too, like with Ravona, It's like, I, there's, I really like this character. I like Gugu Mbatha-Raw's performance. It just feels like there's always a little bit more to be desired with the motivation and all that. And then ultimately here, we just get one scene where she just leaves to find free will. And it seems like maybe that could lead to a positive character turn in the future, but not in the context of the finale. And that's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning when you mentioned it, Austin. It's like... The reason this show's different than WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier that had a more definitive stop is because those characters will pop up in the future. But we know Loki didn't have to do that because they confirmed in the post credit scene that there is going to be a season two. So there's more stories in this world to explore. So I think they wanted to make it much more of a cliffhanger than we have seen previously with these shows. So it, it was jarring in that way. But for me, it happened to work. The other kind of key moment in this episode is that Loki and Sylvie do essentially break up, 
So what did you guys think about this? They really did kind of spend half of this show setting up their relationship, only to split them up at kind of their first bit of conflict. Um, how did their little fight play for you guys? And, and what do you think about Sylvie choosing to go after Kang instead of like hearing Loki out and staying together? It all happened way too fast for me. You said it in the question, Austin, and they built it up throughout the whole series. And then, yeah, all of a sudden they just, she's like, oh, see you, Loki. And then just does the whole portal thing and pushes him out. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what happened? It worked for me, and I think the reasons why we got episode three, which was the lamentous episode, and the reason we got episode five last week with the kind of another weird subplot in the void, I think we got all that stuff to build up the Loki and Sylvie dynamic. I think a big part of this first season, particularly the first five episodes, was character development. I mean, we've already kind of forgotten that the Loki was a villain at the beginning of this series. And now like he kind of feels much more of like a protagonist, kind of a better guy, someone that has genuinely actually changed. And you can kind of look back and track where he changed and grew. And that's really hard to do in a show. That's pretty cool. Same thing with Sylvie. So that's a lot about what this show was. And so when we get to the finale, and it is kind of this breakup, as you put it, it definitely was fast, particularly because both Loki and Sylvie didn't speak a lot in this episode. But I got to say, the reason it worked for me is because I found this kind of conundrum that this version of Kang, this supposedly good version, was presenting. This idea of, you can take my place. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm too old. I'm tired. I don't want it. You can have it. I've got, I brought you here. I made sure you got here because I think you can do it, both of you. Um, or you could just kill me and it'll start this war, which I'm taking the time to explain to you, but I don't want to rob you of that choice. So if you want to do that, go for it. And another reason why episodes three and five work is because I think by the time we get to this finale, again, it is fast. I understand why Sylvie would want to kill him. And I understand why this changed version of Loki would not want to. Neither of them are trusting him fully. Loki isn't either. But this version of Loki that like, killed so many people in New York is saying to this person that he really cares about, like, if there's even a chance that this could happen, like, we can't do it. I love the line where he was like, this is more than both of our experiences. I thought that was such a cool line. Um, and I think they did a good enough job setting up throughout the show of saying why Sylvie can't trust this guy, this person she doesn't know and would rather kill him to be safe. And then she immediately regrets it. So I enjoyed it. And I think, again, it's an, another thing that in season two, we'll see them come back together and we'll see that relationship probably get stronger. But I thought it was a good way to do it. I thought there was enough buildup that it worked for me. Yeah, I really enjoyed the conundrum. And I like that, like you said, Matt, that we can understand both of their points and both of their points fit their characters. I guess the only reason I was a little bit disappointed in it is because throughout this show and throughout Loki and the MCU, they have always found a way for these two characters to kind of get around the rules or choices that are presented before them, they never play by the rules. And in this episode, they kind of did. And so that was the yeah. only thing that seemed a little bit out of character for both of these Lokis. I, yeah, I totally agree, Austin. They just kind of gave in. I thought they were for sure just going to get this guy somehow. And then they all of a sudden just turn on each other. So yeah, totally uncharacteristic. It was just such like a crazy choice that it made sense to me why a changed version of Loki would be a little bit hesitant and one of them just wants to finish the original mission and kill him. So, and of course the stakes are, we, none of us can relate to that, right? It's like, Hey, you can kill me, but 
I have really crazy variants of myself that can conquer things and rule timelines, and they're going to come if you do that. Or you can just sit here for eons and rule. So it's like, I mean, obviously it's crazy, but it worked for me, but I, I do get why it doesn't. And I definitely agree that it was fast. It happened really fast. Yeah. So let's talk about Kang here, because I don't know who this guy is. I know you guys know the comics better than I do. Um, so I'm going to speak on behalf of the people who don't know the comics as well and just, you know, have watched all these movies and shows. So, yeah, I was just kind of underwhelmed. If you don't know who this guy is, maybe this is a bit underwhelming. But for you guys, I mean, was this like, oh, shit, like, this is awesome. Like, they're bringing this guy in. Um, yeah, so how does this compare to people who don't really know too much about the comics and people who know about the comics? Yeah. Does the show still work in that way? Or, or is it show, or is the show built for people who only know the comics? Or is it built for everybody? That's what I'm trying, I'm trying to get at. I'm going to let Matt jump in here because he is our Marvel historian. Yeah, Kang's weird. Kang is technically a human. It's kind of weird. He So yeah, so they did hit a lot of the comic book stuff here. Kang is from the far future. They said 31st century here. I, th- I remembered it being like the 41st. Obviously, it doesn't really matter. But from the far future, and at one point, he's a scientist, and he discovers the ability to time travel, essentially. And he ends up traveling back to ancient Egypt. He becomes like a god to them. He becomes a pharaoh, and then he moves forward in time. At times, he's a good guy. At times, he's a bad guy. Of course, the most famous is whenever he decides to become Kang the Conqueror, and he starts taking over timelines. And the cool thing about him is he doesn't have any powers. He just has technology from like thousands and thousands of years in the future. So even though he's just a human with a cool suit, he can fight all of the Avengers at once because they don't have his technology. So I really like the character. It's super fun. Um, and they definitely play in the comics with like his feeling aged by time, like this version did. It's just like, I'm tired, all that good stuff. Um, so that's Kang. And I really like Keith's question because does this work without knowing that? And we've talked in the weeks coming up to this about Kang being the potential person behind it. I thought they did a surprisingly good job of making it work because this guy isn't Kang. This guy is just a guy, right? He's just a guy, this kind of mysterious, super old guy that doesn't look super old, that runs the TVA, and they explained why, and they played with the whole variant thing they've been setting up in the show up until this point. This guy happens to be a guy pure of heart, if you want to put it that way, running the timeline, but he has really evil versions of himself that never made that choice that will be... I, th- I mean, at this point, I think Kang the Conqueror, to give people context, will be the Thanos of the upcoming Avengers movies. It's like he's going to be he is that level of villain. I think they are planting those seeds early. And in future Avengers movies, they were going to have to come together to defeat this guy that will be played by Jonathan Majors that we know will be an Ant-Man three. That'll be the next appearance. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it was cool for me because I knew Jonathan Majors was playing this character. So it was like, oh, shit, that's awesome. Um, but I really liked that for people that don't know the character, technically, this guy isn't that, right? This guy is a variant of that guy. It's like, you know, if Loki would have been some reveal, but then Sylvie walks out just saying, well, I am that guy, but I'm a variant. So like, I'm bad, but that guy's way worse, essentially. So I thought it actually did a good job of walking that line between like diehard comic book fans and then people just trying to enjoy the show because... Yeah, like I said, it's not technically Kang, but it's a variant. So I, I thought it worked. But what do you think, Austin? I guess I just kept waiting for him to show us why he's the Thanos of Phase 4. I kept waiting for him to do something like drastically evil or do something that like really was going to 
just make him seem imposing and make him seem like, okay, this is worth building up to throughout phase four. And so him being a variant of the guy that we're going to get soon, I guess I just didn't find as interesting. I love the performance, like you said, and I liked how they are kind of digging deep into this whole alternate universe, multiple timelines, all that stuff. Like, I like that we're doing all that. I just, for this first introduction to Kang in phase four, I was a little bit underwhelmed by it because he is just a guy. So like it wasn't as, and we just got done with Thanos. So it was kind of weird to go from the mad Titan to just a dude in a floofy cape. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to make an argument against myself. It's super easy just to run back to something that's familiar and be like, oh, I want a big reveal of something we've already, of a, of a villain we've already seen. Like, this could have been a variant right. of Thanos or something like that. And I would Mickey like, Rourke comes out with his whips. <laughs> yeah. And I would have been like, oh, fuck yeah. But oh, like, yeah, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> no, not him. But, well, I don't know. But anyway, well, yeah, it's super easy to run back to something that's, that's familiar. So maybe I guess the Marvel Universe is going to introduce new characters and we have to get used to that. So maybe that's something I got to get on board with because I just don't know these new comic book characters that are coming up. I get what you guys are coming from. It is kind of a surprising intro, even for the MCU. I mean, if they were just going to go balls to the wall with like a Thanos-type villain at the post credit scene of the first Avengers movie, they would have done that here. But I thought it was cool and different how it's like, I'm kind of Kang. Hey, I'm kind of Kang, <laughs> but I'm also not. But if you make this decision, then that guy, who's really fucking terrifying, uh, is going to come later. And I guess the last point I'll make is, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe just like the concept of eternity and time travel and these alternate timelines really freaks me the hell out. But I thought they did a pretty good job in this series of making me think that this shit is worse than Thanos. Like in the first episode when he opens a drawer and there's just Infinity Stones that they use as paperweights. I was like, oh, that's fucking scary. And here, the idea of he knows every single move these people have ever made. He brought them here. He made them think that they were in control when they weren't. And then whenever he gets stabbed at the end, he's just laughing, says, see you soon, and winks at her. It's like, this guy, even though this is like the supposed good version of Kang, I'm still... I thought it did a good job of making me fucking terrified for when the real bad version comes in the future. Just kind of paired with that ending scene of like Mobius not recognizing him and like Mobius, like there's like a bunch of guys coming. I'm really fucking scared. And then it cuts to the timekeeper statue and it's Kang and it's like, what's happening? Like, I don't know. For me, it was a good enough job of making me scared for the future. I think that was the purpose of this. But again, that ties back to the whole, shouldn't we feel a bit more like, satisfied within the context of this show. And that's where I agree with you guys. I think maybe they relied too much on setting up the future. And I am also having a hard time separating like what I wanted versus what we got, because it's not fair to judge it on what we didn't get. But at the same time, like I just thought everything that they did in this show was so smart to end it with just sitting around talking. I don't know. It just, it was super underwhelming, I guess is all I can say. Well, we talked about it a little bit, but speaking of closing things out, we did jump back occasionally to our characters in the TVA. So I wanted to make sure we gave this a little bit of time. How'd you guys feel about the resolution to Ravona Renslayer, Owen Wilson's Mobius, wow, and Hunter B-15? What'd you guys think of all those scenes? B-15, I thought, had the best scenes in this episode. I know we touched on it on the cast and crew talk, but I like the way that she chose to reveal it to everybody, was like showing, hey, your boss is a variant, to letting them physically see it. I thought that was a really cool way to be able to just convince kind of all of them at once. Ravona and Mobius's interaction... I liked it, but I was kind of confused how Mobius was like still giving her a chance and trying to reconcile with her after she killed him a few weeks ago. Um, and then I also am really curious to see like where she's going because she said she's going to find free will. 
But right before that, she also said the only person with free will is the one on top. So I, I'm really interested about what her motivations are going to be in the future. Um, another scene that I liked was at the very end with Mobius and B-15, whenever Loki comes back and he's thinking that it's the normal TVA he knows. And, and uh, he's like, Mobius, and he's talking to him. And Mobius is like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was terrifying. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. That stuff like actually scared me. Yeah. Um, I like, yeah, I liked all that stuff too. I thought the Ravona scene was weak and it just made me feel bad because I really wanted to like that character and I don't think they gave Gugumbathara enough to do in this show. Um, I do know that Ravona and Kang have like kind of like a weird romance type rapport in the comics and other stories. So whenever she said that the only person with free will is the one running it and I'm going to go find free will, maybe that implies that we'll see her linked up with Kang the Conqueror on that side of things in the future movies or projects or whatever. Um, Owen Wilson is Mobius. Always fun to watch, but yeah, I really think the only scene worth noting is that last scene that you just mentioned, Keith. Uh, super cool, really good stakes. Did not expect that at all. My jaw did drop a little bit. Uh, like that's the way the show closed out. And like I joked at the beginning, I mean, it really was like a plane of the ape style twist whenever Loki looks over and it's like not what you're expecting. It should be the timekeepers and then it's Kang the Conqueror and it's like oh, he, you can just see in his eyes like fuck Sylvie fucked up. <laughs> like this is bad and I have no idea what's going to happen but I wish we would have gotten more from the characters but I guess I liked enough of what we got. And I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on that like other TVA I guess that Loki went back to. Is there still only one TVA? Because they did establish that they operate outside of time and space. Are there now multiple after the actions at the end of the show? Or did Loki wind up in the same TVA, but just different because Kang has now conquered it and is not hiding behind the timekeepers? Well, I don't know. It's confusing because if, if Mobius and B-15 don't know who Loki is, that's that's got to be an alternate Mobius, right? You would think. that The statue didn't confuse me, but that part is a little bit like, hmm, how does the whole like Mobius and B-15 not recognize him? like recognizing him work if it's the same TVA? That, that part I don't really have a theory for unless it is some kind of variant or whatever. Yeah, I was wondering, I'm leaning two ways. I was wondering if maybe there are now multiple TVAs and these are what the alternate Kangs use to fight their battles is like the TVA is kind of like their forces. I could also see it being the same TVA, but this is different now because we are now in a realm where Kang has conquered it and has taken over. So Mobius and Loki haven't really had their interactions in this timeline. Okay, it just kind of popped in my head as well, probably worth bringing up. Um, we have to keep in mind that the TVA agents did not know until very recently that they were um, that they were variants, which implies that the, the Jonathan Majors character, he who remains what we saw in this episode, must be capable of wiping their minds to some degree, or else they would remember that they had lives beforehand. And we saw throughout the show that they didn't. So I think the way I'm reading the situation is the second Sylvie killed He Who Remains, Kang the Conqueror, who also exists outside of time, can invade the TVA, a place that exists outside of time. So even though for Loki only a couple minutes had passed, like you said, Austin, Kang has already taken over. It's been eons. In this episode, Ravona tells Mobius, you and I have been friends for eons, but she was a variant in 2018. So we, we understand how it exists outside of things. So Kang took over, and I'm guessing once Kang took over, he did whatever he did in the past, which is he wiped their minds somehow, similarly to how none of them knew that they were variants in past lives. Maybe he made them all forget who Loki is or something like that. 
That's kind of my guess, because I think it's the same TVA. I think it has to be. It's just now we're in one that Kang has taken over, and he's somehow made them forget Loki. The ending was super cool with that reveal, but man, it left me super confused. Like, how did this impact the TVA, and why would they not know each other? My only reason can be that there are multiple TVAs, but that just gets confusing within itself. I honestly think it's just going to be he wiped their minds, and like they don't remember what happened in the past. Like once the new Kang took over, he basically wiped their minds of the old TVA, which means that they don't remember anything before the new Kang took over, which means they don't remember Loki or Sylvie or any of that. I think it's going to be that kind of basic of an answer. But the variants aren't done, guys, because Spider-Man No Way Home comes out in December, and it's basically all but confirmed that it seems like because of what happens in this show, we see timelines start branching and overlapping, and we know that Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Jamie Foxx, and Alfred Molina's Doc Ock are all in the new Spider-Man movie. So shit's getting crazy. Wires are getting crossed. The variants will not be stopping. We are getting more this year. Well, are you guys surprised that the variants are going to play a larger role in the MCU than like just beyond the scope of this show? Because I thought variants were only going to play a part in this show, and I was really surprised to learn that no, there's going to be variants like probably future MCU projects too. It's one of those weird things where I've known for like, I don't even know how long at this point, but I mean, it's been like the biggest like non-secret in Hollywood that Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield are both going to be in the new Spider-Man movie. And it was always like, how are they going to justify that? And so I feel like now seeing this finale, it makes me go, oh, okay, I think I understand. It's like there are variants that, because of the multiverse breaking, now are able to cross over and stuff like that. So at the outset of the show, I didn't realize that that would be a bigger thing. So definitely surprised. But I think it'd be cool as long as they just don't make it like an exposition dump. I guess in a good way, Loki got that out of the way. So in the future, it can be more fun and enjoyable as opposed to explaining how it works. I just hope they don't do it like CW's Flash. I'm the fastest man alive. <laughs> that entire show just became about variants and multiverses. That got a little old after a while. I think Marvel's got it. I trust him. I trust him. We'll see what happens. So speaking of the future, we usually end our discussions with the talk of just that. And while we didn't get a normal Marvel mid- or post credit scene, we did get the quick little confirmation there that Loki will return for a second season. We had a lot of rumors along the way, particularly after with kind of what we said we found out that there would be no more wandavision or falcon and the winter soldier so what are you guys hoping for season two specifically we know some of these multiverse type plots will affect the marvel movies like ant-man 3 where jonathan majors is returning doctor strange 2 which they said today it seems like tom hiddleston will be in that movie and of course spider-man no way home with toby mcguire andrew garfield as variants who the fuck knows but guys what do we want to hope for the future and where should season two of loki take us yeah, I was really surprised to see that Hollywood Reporter report that Tom Hiddleston will be appearing in Doctor Strange 2. I wonder if he'll be playing the Loki from this show or an evil variant of himself that Doctor Strange encounters. I'm going to guess this version because Loki can kind of be like the guy that knows everything, like you said, Austin. Like, I don't think they'll handle it like he's the one guy that has to just do all the exposition. But if you have him in scenes with both um, Doctor Strange and Wanda then he can kind of explain how things got this crazy because he actually witnessed it. So kind of gives you like a witness type character, which could be cool. Kind of crazy that we thought Tom Hiddleston was dead in Endgame, and now he's like the most important piece of Phase 4. Yeah, <laughs> whenever they finish filming that scene, like he's laying in Chris Hemsworth's arms while he's like sobbing over him. And then like they said, cut. And then Tom was like, <laughs> 
I need more money. I'm not done. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing I was wondering when the credits wrapped is um, Marvel has that What If show coming out next month. Keith, I don't know if you know this, but What If is an animated show coming to Disney+. Plus. It raises the concept each episode, like, what if this happened? Um, in the trailer, for example, it looks like Peggy Carter is Captain America. What if T'Challa was captured by Yondu instead of Peter Quill, so now T'Challa's Star-Lord? What if Killmonger saved Tony Stark in Iron Man 1 from the bomb going off? It's an alternate reality type show, but it's animated, it's voiced by some of the big actors. But I was wondering if maybe what if it's going to somehow tie into this show and, and all this stuff is happening as a result of the timelines branching out. It's crazy to say, because I it always seemed like What If was literally just like a fun animated side project, but now it seems more than ever it's actually going to be part of it. I mean, we know our favorite boy with the great voice, Jeffrey Wright, is playing the Watcher in that show. The Watcher's kind of like a godlike character that watches over timelines and is kind of like a non-participant, just, just forced to watch. Um, and having to do that with all this multiverse shit going on, it seems like now this is not a side project, but a byproduct of the multiverse being broken. So I'm kind of with you on that, yeah. I also now am more excited than ever. I think this is the most excited I've ever been for an Ant-Man movie. I can't wait oh, to see Quantumania. <laughs> the fact that Kang the Conqueror, I'm guessing the evil version is in that one, makes that movie seem like just so important. Yeah, they've confirmed that. So that Thank God. I, I, those are two of my least favorite Marvel movies. Um, so thank God. Hey, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm excited for that one, which I never would have expected. All right, guys. It's been a while. I know we've been itching for the opportunity to give some awards out. Of course, in all of our main episodes, we do an awards segment at the end of each episode. But we waited until the finale for Loki. So, guys... I want to get right into it. What are your awards? And keep in mind, it doesn't have to just be for the finale. It can be from anything that we saw from Loki in general. All right. I'll kick us off today. Um, I'm going to give the Where'd You Go, Bud? award to Eugene Cordero as Casey. Where'd you go? <laughs> he was so great in episode one. I thought he was going to randomly pop up throughout the show. I thought maybe he was our secret villain in disguise, and that didn't work out. You just kind of had that. There's a few great scenes in episode one, and that was it. That would have been awful. The elevator door opens, and it's like, hi, it's me, Casey. <laughs> Can you imagine? The No Wow Moment Award goes to Mr. Owen Wilson as Mobius. We never got a, a good wow. Wow. All right, guys. I got, I got an award, and this might be a first for us because- I guess the award I'm about to give is not technically Loki-related. It's more for the future. So my award is the I Don't Care Award. And I'm giving this to Tobey Maguire for whenever Kevin Feige or Tom Hiddleston sits down with him at like some nice Los Angeles restaurant and tries to talk to him and goes... So, Toby, here's the thing. So, like, there's this guy, Kane the Conqueror, from the comics, but it's not really him. It's actually just, like, a good variant, and he runs the timeline. And I'm Tom Hiddleston, by the way. It's really nice to meet you. I loved you in Seabiscuit. The way you rode that horse was really kind of informative for me as a young man. Wow. <laughs> 
And so basically, like, there's a variant of me that's a female that I'm in love with, and she stabs this Kang variant, and that kind of unleashes a multiverse war. And whenever the timelines branch, that allows you, you played Spider-Man, do you remember? And Andrew Garfield, the guy that took your job, do you remember? So you guys are both going to be with Tom Holland in a movie uh, who also took both of your jobs, do you remember? And Tobey Maguire is going to literally do three shots in front of whoever tells him this, and then he's going to make them pay and walk away. And he's going to not care. So I think Tobey Maguire gets the I don't care award for the person that has to explain the plot of Loki to him. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, before we get out of here, we also have to do the rankings real quick. Let's keep it quick. I want to know how you guys are feeling just to give you my thoughts. I think with the Disney Plus shows, easily couldn't be easier. Loki's number one. I know you guys didn't love the finale, but I did. It worked for me. I thought this was the most consistent show throughout Number two, I would put WandaVision. Loved it the whole way through, except the finale. And number three, even though I also really loved it, I just thought Falcon and Winter Soldier got a little bit boring at the wrong time right in the middle. So that's my ranking. Loki is the new number one. Yeah, I think um, my rankings are going to be different, Matt, because looking back on it, I really only liked three out of the six episodes all the way through of Loki. I thought three of them had had some issues and, and one of them felt like a major just momentum killer. Uh, so my ranking is actually going to go number one, Falcon, number two, Loki, and number three, Wanda. For me, number one, Loki, number two, WandaVision, number three, Falcon and Winter Soldier. All right, guys. Good stuff. Good stuff. So yeah, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening along the way. If you enjoyed this episode in this series, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that so we can continue to grow the show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, just leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday with the first John Wick movie. Time to break it down. We're going to be revisiting all the films, including number four eventually, and we're going to see how we feel about these modern action classics. I'm so excited for John Wick. I can't wait to get into it. I can't wait to talk about Keanu Reeves for three straight weeks. Um, And yeah, everybody. So we're still finalizing kind of our schedule on the back end of 2021 for the podcast. We don't have any bonus series scheduled yet. So we're going to figure that out. Let us know if you want us to talk about what if. Uh, Let us know if you want us to talk about the Hawkeye show at the end of the year. But this is kind of the last one that we have set scheduled at the moment. Um, And with that, like Matt said, Be on the lookout for John Wick. Uh, We've got the Suicide Squad coming in a few weeks. And then also, of course, at the end of this month, Matt and I will be sitting down again for another episode of Co-op Couch to break down some more gaming news. Yeah, lastly, we want to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Send us your favorite John Wick film and let us know your thoughts on Black Widow. Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. All right, everybody. We'll see you soon. See you. Bye, everybody. Have a great week. Wow.